What's up to all my freelancers and creatives? This is Nathan with another episode of Freelance Jumpstart TV. And in this episode, we're gonna talk about the road trip. This past weekend, I had the opportunity and the privilege to speak at a conference. The conference was WordCamp NOLA or WordCamp New Orleans, Louisiana. And I drove all the way there and had a great time and spoke about freelancing, pricing, and just understanding your value as a freelancer. The title of my session that I did was called The Price Is Wrong. And I just talked about how most freelancers don't necessarily price right due to lack of confidence or lack of their skill. I actually recorded that video and I'll have that coming up for you on a future episode of Freelance Jumpstart. But in this episode, I wanted to talk specifically about a couple of things. The first thing I wanted to cover is as a freelancer, you need to understand what your value is and you need to price accordingly. So to help me explain this, I actually drove with my good friend Obina Okongwu of Cakewalk Films. If you remember, Obina was on the podcast in a previous episode, but this time while we were driving, from Louisiana back to Texas, we talked about a couple of things, uh, professionalism, pricing, and just shared tips that we learned you know, in our business. And I wanted to share that conversation with you. You can catch the first part of the conversation at this link. So you can go to freelancejumpstart.tv slash 45, because this is episode 45, and listen to our full conversation. As I mentioned, this is part one and part two We'll be coming to you next week. So just take the time, relax, and listen to the conversation with me and Obina. It's strictly audio, but you know, just so go to that link, listen to the audio, and let me know your feedback and what you think. So until the next one, I will catch you later. See ya. So pretty much uh, this episode is a little different. Really right now I'm on the road driving from New Orleans, Louisiana, back home to Houston, Texas. And I'm driving with my good friend and fellow business entrepreneur Obina Okongwu and we went to WordCamp. Now for those who don't know WordCamp is for those who use WordPress and the WordPress community it's an opportunity for you to come together network meet other people but also it's structured like a conference and where there's different talks on different subjects and you get to learn about WordPress and learn about business and development and all those things that get your business running. So pretty much, I had a session there, and in that session, it was called The Price is Wrong. And the whole premise behind the talk was, look, you're pricing your services, and more than likely, the price is wrong or too low because you are making up your pricing. And the reason I said that is because that's what I did. In the past, I wasn't sure what to charge, so I made up things, and I made up numbers, and I experimented, and I learned, and... Uh, some things were good, some things were bad, but you know, I grew nonetheless. So pretty much just want to talk about pricing and understanding your value and really just want to ask Obina and really just dive into how he has his business set up. But Obina, first I wanted to ask you your thoughts. I mean, you saw my talk at WordCamp. Like, what do you think? First of all, I want to say, Nathan, your talk was great, very informative. Uh, you had a lot of things that were very unique in your talk that I hadn't yet experienced before. Um, using examples such as uh, the Big Mac scenario, 
um, the price is right. And um, even using an example of a person who um, had the website hacked um, to show what, um, how you take value uh, in your pricing and you show what your pricing is worth uh, was very informative. Um, you kept the crowd very engaged. Uh, you gave them a lot of useful information and a lot, a lot of valuable quotes from your own um, Twitter account and from the Twitter account of others. So I think overall it was a great talk, great first talk. Um, and I see nothing but great things going forward for you as far as your speaking engagements. So very good. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Um, honestly, this was one of my first talks in this type of setting. So I've been to many word camps before because I use WordPress in my business, but this is the first time I actually was a speaker and I was on that side of the coin and talking with people. So uh, it really was a learning experience for me, really just to prepare. I thought about my journey, my pricing journey in my business and ended up working out pretty well. So uh, really, I keep referring to the talk. So we're going to have the talk as a bonus on the podcast so you can hear exactly what I said and what I taught. But I want to give a quick summary of what I talked about. So when I first started, and I'm going to go way back, but when I first started, you know, I went to school and I went to Baylor University. And my whole goal was to graduate and just get a job as an engineer. But I graduated and I started working at a web hosting company and I learned about people are really in high demand and asking for websites. So I started looking into it, learn to make websites, and that was the start of my business. That's how I got started and became a freelance web designer. There's a video on that on Freelance Jumpstart Podcast. But, you know, just moving along. So that's how I became a freelance web designer, just learning online and really just looking at tutorials. But from there, I didn't know anything about pricing or business, and I pretty much learned the hard way. I ended up going to get my uh, master's in business administration in marketing and digital marketing from University of Houston. And the whole goal there was I did not know what I didn't know. And the reason I went to school was to learn those business things that I did not know. And one of my favorite classes was pricing strategy because it talked about the different pricing strategies on how businesses were set up. And that pretty much was the foundation for my talk. The fact that and I said this in the talk, and you'll hear it uh, when we have it on the podcast, but the whole logic behind that talk was simply pricing is not a decision, it's a strategy. So I never knew what to charge because I was trying to decide on what to charge people, but it's a strategy, and based upon what strategy you choose, that's what you go with. But Obina, I wanted to ask you, because I know you also went to grad school and got an MBA as well, even though you already had your own business. But I want to just, you know, pick your brain a little bit. Why did you go to school? I mean, I said I went to school because I didn't know what I didn't know. But what about you? Why did you take that next step as well? Well, I, I felt like it was necessary for me to take that next step as far as getting my MBA to learn more in detail about what it actually took to be an entrepreneur. And apart from being an entrepreneur, what can I use as far as business and apply it to my daily life? Because I think that business is a very valuable part of daily life, whether it be accounting, finance, um, business management. There are several things that you can use in business to apply to your daily life and daily life scenarios. So not only did I want to learn more about 
how to become an entrepreneur and the things necessary for me to become an entrepreneur, the ins and outs. I wanted to use that knowledge and apply it to my daily life. My apply it to my everyday finances, apply it to my every everyday time management skills, apply it to my everyday techniques in various things. So um, I really think that was one of the reasons why I wanted to get an MBA. And really, an MBA um, can expand your horizons about a lot of things. So um, I encourage it for anybody who is looking to start their own business or who is just looking to learn. Um, an MBA is a great tool that you can use uh, for the rest of your life. But um, Nathan, I also wanted to ask you, how did you think your uh, talk went and how do you think you were received? I know you got a lot of uh, feedback as far as on Twitter. Um, a lot of people were retweeting some of the quotes you said. Um, you were asked a lot of questions after your talk was over and you were engaged in a lot of conversation throughout the um, remainder of the day at work camp. So I want to just ask you, how do you think your talk went and how do you think it was received amongst the work camp community? Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, real quick, you said something about MBA. I want to make a quick blurb about that and jump back into your question. So we got our MBAs because we saw the need for it, but I had a math and science background and Albina was doing his thing as well. So it wasn't even like we had time for business classes. So that's really some of the logic of that. But also, I, I do want to say, you don't absolutely need an MBA to start a business or run a business well. However, I will say, certain things that we learned, you do need to know about. You do need to know about segmentation, the different segments of the market. You do need to know about targeting an audience or niche. You do need to know about you learn a little bit about accounting. You don't have to be the accountant in your business, but you know what you need. You need to learn about what you need to be accountable for. When I say accountable, I mean know how to run your bookkeeping so that you're being aware of it when you're running your business. Because when you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, you're wearing many hats. So at least for me, the MBA helped me be aware of what hats I need to wear. And that information is out there. You know, you can go on the internet and look for it. But that's another reason why I started this podcast, just so you would know exactly certain things instead of having to go look for it. But yeah, to answer your question directly, I felt that the talk went well. I felt it was well received. I mean, honestly, when I was talking, I didn't know if people were listening. They kind of gave me a blank stare like a deer in the headlights. I was wondering, are people listening or, you know, they're just bored? I, I didn't know, but, you know, I, I told a couple of jokes and, you know, that relaxed the crowd. And I was like, okay, they are listening because they actually laughed when they were supposed to. So, you know, everything I just did to prepare really came to light. One of the books I read was Confessions of a Public Speaker. That was a great book and that helped me out a lot. And I was probably, as I was told by different people, I probably was the most prepared, at least as they told me. But all I did was follow what it said in the book and rehearse. That's literally all I did to get ready. But it seemed like it was well received. My whole goal out of everything that I said is for people to think about their pricing and for people to understand that the service they're offering is valuable. I mean, that's the whole premise of business. You create some type of value. And then when you create value, people give money in exchange for that. I think many times because we don't feel like experts or we don't feel like we have enough experience, 
we don't want to price accordingly. But the truth is, all the businesses that we give money to, we have no level or no clue of their level of experience. We don't know, but we're giving them our money, you know, and that's all business is. If you see it valuable and you're able to communicate that value, you know, you can get it. So honestly wanted to ask you, in your business, like how do you think about value and pricing? Like what do you, how do you understand, you know, pricing in your business? How do you come up with your prices? I remember a long time ago, I said, you need to charge more. You need to charge more. You said, there's no way someone's going to pay me $1,000. And I'm like, well, you're good. You're better than most people. Charge more money. But, you know, since then, what has been some of your thoughts and your logic? Okay, well, let me go ahead and I'll, I'll kind of start back yeah. at the beginning and I'll go ahead and tie it in. Yeah. So when I first started out, um, I kind of based my pricing around the current market. So what I did was I tried to gather information of um, what people were charging in the, the current market that I was in. And I looked and I saw what the quality of their work was, how good their marketing was, the resources that they had, and I based my pricing off, and how much experience they had, and I based my pricing off of that. And I thought my marketing was okay. I, d I hardly had any experience, but I thought my videos were pretty good. So that's really how I came up with that number. And that wasn't necessarily wrong, but I was limiting myself because you have to take more into consideration as far as that. You have to take into consideration how much is my time worth? What is my real value? And what value am I bringing the customer? So I didn't really take those into consideration. And so it got to a point where I had gotten considerably better in the quality of videos I was putting out. My marketing had gotten considerably better. I felt like I was bringing more value to my customers than my competition based off of the packages that I was providing, the level of service that I was providing, and like I said, the quality of videos that I was I was providing. So I got to a point where I felt like I had undervalued myself. I felt like I was working too hard and earning too little. So then I really had to reevaluate the price point that I was at. And I had to ask myself, Obina, what is it that you think you're worth based off of all of these things that you have thought about. And when I thought about it, I was like, Obina, I think you're worth at least $1,000 more than what you're currently charging. But my fear was, am I still gonna get the same amount of clientele that I'm still getting if I increase my price point by $1,000? Because the hard thing about pricing is, there's always a certain level of fear when it comes to raising your prices because you don't know if people are still going to value your services the way you value your, your own services. So it was just a matter of getting my customers to understand what type of value I was bringing to them. Making them understand the value of the services that I provided through my marketing, through my uh, conversations with my clients through my conversations with people in the industry, getting people to understand the value that I was bringing. And once you get people to understand the value that you're bringing, 
price is almost, I wouldn't say it's non-existent, but price is almost not a factor. Because when people understand the value that you're bringing, they see the value and they ignore the price. Now it's, it's kind of been a reversal because when I was first starting, I remember you had talked about in your talk how there are you know different levels of customers. There's the op opportunistic, there's the looking for a deal, there's the luxury and premium customer. I think when I first started, I was more in the opportunistic clientele. They still wanted good quality and good service, but they were looking at price first instead of quality. And I think now I've gotten to a point where I don't want to necessarily say I am, but I'm, I'm, I'm really close to the luxury premium customer where price isn't really that much of an issue. They just want value and they want quality work. So you have to really position yourself in the market to get the type of clientele that you want. And when you do that, it will no longer be about price. It will be about value and quality of work, which is now, I believe, where I'm at. Because people really don't look... I'll give you, I'll give you a good example. When I was first starting out, people used to um, inquire. Like they would send me an email and they would be like, um, can I... I'm asking for your you know, pricing and availability for my wedding date, so can you please send me the packages that you offer? Yeah. Which... When people phrase it that way, they really want to know what your price is to see if you fit in their budget so they can see whether or not it's a good fit for them. But now it's gotten to the point where when people inquire, they say, I love your work. Are you available for my date? And if you look at that wording, yeah. price never comes up, which you, it, you, get, you get to a point where you have customers that don't care about the price. They just care about the quality of your work, which they said, I love your videos. Are you available for my date? Those are the only thing, two things that they're concerned about. They're concerned about your quality and your availability instead of being concerned about your price. So I, I think, I think it's, it's been, you know, kind of, um, I don't want to necessarily say 180, but it, it's been a turnaround from when I first started. And I, I think it's because I've taken a step back looked at what it, what it is that I'm bringing to the table and if I understand that my my services are valuable then price is no longer a factor and the fear is gone so if I wanted to raise my prices because I felt that I was bringing more value I would raise my prices without the fear of thinking that people aren't going to come and people aren't going to um, book my services because that fear is no longer a factor so I think, I think that, I mean, does that, that answer your question? No, pretty much. I did want to ask as well. You mentioned that people don't seem to care about your price because they just see your work and they want to benefit from your work. You know, they say, hey, I see what you have to offer. I want the same thing. I want the same type of video quality in your filming expertise. But what happens when you do introduce price? I mean, do, you, do people negotiate? Like, what happens after you say, okay, contacted me you want me you want to know if I'm available on your date here are the prices like what are some of the reactions you get okay well I'll go ahead and, and tell you you can't always there there can never really be a point where you can get rid of the people who are looking for a deal on the you know the opportunistic people they're always gonna be there because since I market on multiple platforms I get a range of people with different types of budgets from 
you have people that have a budget of maybe a thousand dollars to people who have budgets of tens of thousands of dollars so there's always going to be that customer that is trying to negotiate and look for a deal but i've gotten to the point where i'm not really looking to negotiate because i've separated myself from that that um that segment of clientele so I would say right now the majority of people who I get are really not concerned about price, but there's always going to be that segment of clientele. Since I mark, um, the, my marketing strategy is so diversified, there's always going to be that segment of clientele that is asking about price and that is wanting to negotiate and that is looking for a deal. So that's always yeah. going to happen in, in, in most any type of business that you do. If you have a diversified marketing strategy, you're always going to run into clientele who are, are trying to negotiate and looking for a deal. And I would say to those people who are in, in business and who are freelancers, if you have a price point that you are at, stay firm on that price point because there are people that are willing to pay for the value that you are bringing. So are you, are you basically saying say no to people if they won't come to your price? Not necessarily saying no. I'm saying don't get undercut. So let's say you charge, you know, $5,000 and somebody is saying, hey, um, I really like your work. I really want to use your services, but I can only afford $2,000. So they're basically cutting the value of your services more than half. And that's what I mean by being undercut. Never settle for something that's significantly less than what it is you're trying to get. I mean, I'll give you examples of times where we've, 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 I guess, semi-negotiated. There have been times where we've had a customer reach out to us and say, are you available for my date? And maybe it's like two weeks out or a month out. And maybe we don't, we have availability, availability for their date, but they can only afford, let's say our, one of our pricing packages are five to six thousand dollars let's say they can only afford four thousand I believe that's a more reasonable negotiating platform than saying I can only afford two thousand dollars because in our mind your date is relatively close so we're probably not going to um, book somebody within that time frame plus you still are willing to pay us close to what we are worth so I think that is a more um, feasible scenario than somebody undercutting you completely and having no basis for the price that they're asking for. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know for me, uh, when it comes to pricing and understanding your value, and you, and you alluded to it when you were answering the question, thanks for that. The thing that gets me is I had to realize what I was actually giving away, like what was included in my offering. So for example, I may I may tell myself, okay, I'm gonna do web design and I'm gonna create something for someone. However, when I did web design, I was giving them everything. So that included, I'll build a website for you, I'll do graphics for you. Um, if something is spelled wrong, I'll correct the spelling. Um, if you want backups, I will back up the website for you. But also, that also included People tended to say, you know, do you have security? Is my website gets hacked? Are you automatically going to fix it? I remember one client 
I built the site for them and they uploaded it to their own hosting. And then they weren't thinking, they canceled their hosting. And then they came back to me and they wanted to know, do you have a backup? Where is the backup? If you don't have one, can you resend me my site files? Now, as a good customer service thing, I sent them the site files, but I said none of the content is there. But really, those types of client services type thing and value added services, I was including all of those things in one price. And really, when you, when you do an all-inclusive bundle like that, people don't really see the value of what they're getting because they're assuming I paid you one fee, you, it'll take care of everything. When in actuality, there needs to be some separation. They need to know that everything is not included and if you do want all of these things, you're gonna have to pay a premium. Because I know tons of people who are just copywriters. In other words, all they do is write and edit. That is it. And even going a little deeper, there's some people who just write and then there's some other people who just edit. And then there's some other people who only do graphic design. And then there's other people who only do website security. So if you get the point of what I'm saying, you can't be all things to all men. You can't be all things to all women. Those need to be services that the client is aware of are separate. And they need to know that if you're providing all of those things, it's because they're paying a premium. It's like, like you said, if somebody paid $2,000 and you throw them, you know, you throw them the whole house, the whole farm, you give them everything, they really kind of won't appreciate it. Not because they don't get it, they'll, they'll believe their $2,000 is going to cover all of that work. And really it's not. Those are all separate jobs by separate people. You just so happen to be offering to them because you want them to have a great experience. So again, you may want to think about in your business as a professional, separating out some things. You know, you don't have to give away that much. And that reminds me of, you know, Albina, I remember you had packages in your business and you said we started taking away some things. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I do. Are you okay to talk about that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, at, when we first started off, we used to offer um, a lot of items in our package. And there was a point where we, I guess we felt overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that we were providing for people. And we weren't, we felt like we weren't receiving enough back um, for what we were giving people. So, I'll go into another one of the fears that we had. Not only were we trying to raise prices, but we were also trying to take stuff out of our packages. So we were doing two things essentially. We were taking stuff out of our package and then um, making them a separate cost. So like, for example, there, were, there was something uh, in particular we took out of our package, increased the package, and then made it an add-on. So effectively, if somebody got something the same thing with with the add-on, like what it was originally in our pricing sheet, they would probably pay about double. So we had a fear of um, saying, well, we're gonna not only raise our prices, but we're gonna take stuff out of our packaging. Are people still gonna be interested? Because 
like I said, we looked at the market and we saw what people were offering in our packages and felt we needed to offer the same thing. But as we noticed that our quality of work was getting better and we felt that we were overwhelmed because we were doing too much, we took a step back, we reevaluated our packages and felt that our value was still as important as our value was still as important as uh, still as important or as valuable as what we were providing. So took some stuff out of the packages. Um, we also raised prices. And like I said, people still valued what, what they were being provided. They still valued what they were getting, even with a higher price point, even with a smaller package that had less items. So you don't necessarily have to throw everything at people for them to see value in what you're giving them. You don't have to say, I'm going to give you everything. Yeah, you don't, say, you don't have to say, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you this and this and this and this and this. Because it really it comes down to the old adage of quality versus quantity. Qu quality is always going to win. You always want to focus on the quality of what you're providing as opposed to the quantity that you're providing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it really just does go back to that. And you really have to present yourself in a way that people will perceive as though you are a professional, you're an expert, and you know what you're doing, and you will provide them quality work. Which is, I mean, sometimes in various industries, I see people who want to charge a lot, but they're not, they, they will not be perceived as professional or experts in their industry. So you, you have to re you have to evaluate how is my business being perceived? Am I being perceived as a professional? Am I being perceived as an expert? Do I come across as somebody who will provide quality work? And if you don't come across as that, you're never going to be able to charge the premium that you want. So, I see a lot of people, like I said, throwing the farm at people and saying, maybe if I throw everything at them, maybe if I hit them with a ton of bricks, yeah. they'll see, hey, this guy's providing everything. Let me just go with him. When in reality, that doesn't work. People have to see the quality in what you're providing. People have to see the value in what you're providing for them to be like, hey, I'm going to go with him because I trust him. I trust his work. I see through his presence on whether it be print, the internet, social media. I see as far as his presence goes, he's professional. And I trust that individual. Yeah. So it, all, it, all, it always goes back to how you're perceived. Gotcha. I think that's a good note to end on, how you're perceived. Um, if you don't know, we're literally driving in the car from Louisiana to Texas uh, during a flood, actually. It's flooding, and we almost didn't make it. But Almost. Yeah, but we're in the car driving from Louisiana to Texas trying to make it back home, and we just thought it would be a great thing to talk about different business principles since we had this opportunity and since we had you know this time just to talk. You know, it's about five-hour drive, so we all have nothing but time. But like we said, the talk that I did in Louisiana, that'll be available for you on this podcast. Uh, you can check out my website at NathanElote.com. 
uh, for the weekly podcast, you can go to freelancejumpstart.tv because Freelance Jumpstart is a video and audio podcast. And on being aware, can people go to check you out? Well, people can go go ahead and check me out at um, Cakewalk Films. My website is www.cakewalkfilms.com. I am the owner and creative director. And you can also check me out on most social media platforms. Um, Facebook and Instagram primarily is where I post most of my updates. Yeah, so we're going to keep the conversation going. Uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk about just being professional because we see some things that some people do and honestly you know if i could confess some things that i did that weren't really professional and i wondered why i wasn't growing right so uh yeah that's what we're gonna get into in the next episode so thanks for checking this out see you